Welcome to Enrich Relationships, a podcast designed to help leaders improve their personal and professional relationships from a father and son team. We each bring executive corporate experience in both public and private companies, as well as personal experience as brothers, fathers, and sons. I'm Dax Rich. And I'm Larry Rich. And together we discuss different leadership skills and concepts that will help you at work and at home. I was in class this past week at work and we were talking about hard conversations. During that conversation, we were talking about the importance of starting the conversation the right way. And somebody raised their hand and said, you know, we're talking so much about the beginning of the conversation. And I feel like that's only one minute out of what could be potentially an hour long conversation. In my head, I just don't see why we're focusing so much on that beginning piece And we're not even considering what does the whole conversation look like. As we talked a little bit more, they said, well, what if the person says X or Y or Z? How do I prepare for all of those different outcomes? And then from there, we might go in another direction. How do I prepare for all of these different tangents and objections, uh, different ideas that they might pose that I never even thought of? How can I prepare for the unexpected? And As we were talking, I brought them back to this idea that if we start the conversation truly the right way, the rest of the conversation will line up the way it should be. And what I mean by that is the secret to a great conversation is a great beginning. There'll be some smart tactics we can use along the way that we'll talk about, but you don't need to prepare for everything. That solid start will set the foundation and allow you to either determine if the conversation is not right at that time or place, or it will set you up to have an actual organic and human conversation. That's the secret of starting the conversation the right way. And so today in this podcast, I'd like to talk about what does that look like? So before anything else, it's so important that we look inward. And we do that self-reflection, that self-evaluation. We ask ourselves, how am I feeling? There's a little bit of emotional intelligence here being able to say, am I aware of how I'm feeling right now? What are those emotions? Remember, emotions aren't good or bad, but they could be disruptive emotions. And disruptive emotions can be anger, uh, confusion, shame. It could be anything that puts us in a triggered state, or it could be anything that puts us in a situation where we don't have control over our logic thinking. Our emotions take control over that logical thought process in our mind. If that's the case, we need to do some self-management activities, whether that's breathing, whether that's putting down what we're doing and walking away, maybe get a little bit of exercise, whatever self-management strategy we end up choosing it's important that we come back to a place where we can look at the situation objectively. Now, I also know there's times where we are rushed and we feel like I got to have a conversation this second. I promise there's always time to pause and breathe and think through your own emotions. At most, it's a 10 second exercise. Once we're at a point where we can recognize how we're feeling and why we're feeling Uh, that way, we can then look at the situation objectively. 
understanding our own emotions puts us in power to be able to communicate those emotions. We can talk to the other person and we can share what we're feeling, or even we can just say it to ourselves. And by recognizing our emotions, we can manage our emotions more effectively. Now, I know that's getting a lot more into emotional intelligence, which maybe we can tackle that in the future. But for now, suffice it to say that as long as we identify those emotions, we can put control over those emotions. From there, we can start to ask ourselves, why might the other person have acted or said the thing that they did in such a manner? What was their thought process? Maybe there wasn't a thought process. We can start to think more objectively about the entire situation and not just ourselves. That's important because there's times where we may say, you know what? It was a one-off situation. I got upset, but I know that person. I know they didn't mean that. It's not worth creating a situation that's going to create a false sense of respect or a lack thereof. If we know that that conversation is not needed because we're able to look at it objectively, well, then that solves it right then and there. There's also other times where we may say, you know, I feel like they may not have meant it maliciously, but I took it in a way that hurt me or I took it in a way where I didn't feel valued. And that's important to consider as well. That right there is an important reason to have a hard conversation because that will enrich in a relationship if we can communicate how our feelings are affected by what other people say or do. We also need to make sure that we're considering the right place and time. After we've observed our own emotions, we need to find a place and time that will promote confidence place where people can say what they're feeling and not feel like they're going to be attacked or heard by other people. That might mean going into another room. It might mean leaving the vicinity entirely. It might mean saying, let's get go on a, a quick trip over to the store or to the park, someplace where the two of you can, can be private and can be alone. And it also might mean that now's not the best time because one of you or both of you are experiencing these disruptive emotions and you know that if a conversation happens now, it's not going to go well. So being wise and saying to yourself, is this the right place and time is so important in guiding the discussion and setting it up for success. If it's the wrong place or if it's the wrong time, it doesn't matter what you say. That conversation is not going to go well. Now, there's a model, in fact, there's a lot of different models that leadership development leaders will share about how to structure a good conversation. I've seen a lot of different models, but I think it always condenses down to just three things. And in fact, I know that these three things, as long as they're done well, will always make a conversation start off effectively. The first is saying, what did you observe? It's being very clear, it's being very objective, and it's being very factual. It's saying, here is the exact scenario, the time, and here's what I saw everyone do. Now, again, it's coming from that first-person perspective. So using I language is so important. Being able to say, I saw, I noticed, I heard, I observed, all of those action verbs that come from you yourself. Now, if it comes from a position where you weren't physically present and this is hearsay, you heard it from somebody else, but maybe somebody very trustworthy or somebody very credible and you say to yourself, I definitely do need to action that. 
I need to talk to, to this other person because of what that first person told me or said to me, then it is important that we also say, it's come to my attention that I've heard, I've received information, I've discovered. That's totally appropriate too. And from experience, when that happens, I hear the other person saying, well, who told you or why did they say that? I'm trying to figure out who was this person that is the actual accuser. And it's so important that we always keep it back to I, me. So being able to say, I'm not going to share that information with you. What matters here is that I heard this or I learned this. Again, very factual. And then from there, we transition to that impact. Why does it matter to you and why does it matter to them? So after we've stated what we've observed, moving right into that impact is the next piece. And that's where we can start to use feelings, our own feelings, saying, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I'm afraid, whatever that means. I'm concerned uh, that the situation is going to result in X, Y, and Z for you or for me or both. Talking about that impact, talking about how this is going to have ripple effects. And maybe it's something small. Again, maybe it doesn't go outside of you and that other person. But being able to say, this is a big deal to me because it impacts me or it hurts me or it negatively impacts our relationship. That's another really important impact to share. So that's that second piece. It's that impact. And then the third always, always, always turns into a search for the other person's side of the story. It's asking the other person for what they observed, what they did, what they felt. We're taking it from our own position where we state the facts, we state our feelings, we state our concerns, then we pass it over to them and we say, let me see your side of the story. I'll give a couple of examples of that. And again, we try to focus on professional work career and how do we handle conversations there as well as in the personal life how do you handle it with friends and family so i'll start with the professional first if i was starting a hard conversation let's say with a peer at work it could be a direct report it could be a manager it could be a stakeholder it could be anybody but if i need to have a hard conversation here's what it would hypothetically sound like I saw that you missed the deadline for our project yesterday. I'm worried that if we don't finish this project on time, we will lose trust with our leaders and our customers. Would you help me understand why you missed the deadline? Now, um, stop right there for a moment. Again, that's all I needed for the introduction. It doesn't need to be anything grandiose, extravagant. Don't need to pick out the best words possible. But what I do need to focus on are a few things. The first is the tone. You'll notice the tone I had was pretty conversational. It wasn't trying to sound elevated, nor was it trying to sound accusatory. That last piece there, would you help me understand why you missed the deadline? I know that can sound condescending, especially when written on paper, but I promise that if it's delivered with sincerity, if it's delivered with curiosity, and always, always, always with good intent, then it will come across as genuine. Now, I emphasize that last piece, the good intent, so much because, again, if we're in a state where our emotions are disruptive, we might feel angry. You know, if we're talking about this deadline. I've trusted this person to, to finish that project on time, and they didn't. So now I'm mad. <laughs> you know, it's a big deal to me. If we let those emotions guide the way we talk, 
then it absolutely will come across accusatory. We might already think in our head, good luck defending yourself. You didn't meet the deadline, so you're going to be in the wrong. No matter what you say, you're not going to save yourself here. And we just don't know. Maybe that person had a death in the family. Maybe that person focused on a different project entirely. Maybe there was a project that came up that their superior asked them to work on that was high profile and high impact, and they needed to prioritize that. And you know what? It just slipped their mind to reach out to you. There's so many different reasons that are very justifiable that could be why this person missed the deadline. So if we come in guns blazing, assuming some sort of negative intent, assuming this person just wanted to, to screw us over, then there's no way we're going to have a constructive conversation. But if we go in and we say, hey, I'm just curious, help me understand, help me see what I'm missing here, help me understand why you missed the deadline, then it comes across as genuine and it comes across as sincere. And that's not to say that we can assume emotions for other people. They, they might hear that question and they say, whoa, hey, calm down. Let me tell you why. And that's okay. If our emotions are controlled by our logical and rational thinking, then no harm, no foul. They'll say, whoa, hey, calm down. That's not what I meant. And that's not why I missed the deadline. Okay, that's fine. Thank you for sharing that with me. That makes so much sense. And no harm, again, no foul. We've resolved the situation right there. I encourage each listener to think about why it's so important that we do have such positive intent when we go into a conversation like this and why it's so important that we do try to see the other person in the best light. Now, again, that's the professional example. I'd like to share a personal example as well that I think will help just in our relationships with our friends and family. So here it is. Last Friday at the family get-together, you said, I'm glad I'm not you. And I know everybody at the table laughed, but I felt really uncomfortable and degraded by that comment. Can we talk more about what you meant by that comment? So again, on paper, it may look condescending to say, what did you mean by that comment? But I promise if the tone is there, then it comes across as genuine. Now there's a couple of other things I'd like to focus on from this example. And the first is reality. When I talked about that last Friday, and I'm stating a very specific time at the family get together, a very specific place, I heard you say this, I'm being very factual here. And then I say, I know everyone else at the table laughed. I observed that. I saw them do that. I didn't say, I bet everybody thought it was hilarious or I assume you meant this. You know, I'm not in a position to say what other people felt, but I am in a position to say what I observed. So that's where we focus on that reality. Then it's also important that we share how we feel. Again, notice I said, I felt really uncomfortable and degraded. I'm sharing exactly what I'm going through and what those emotions are. And if I'm going to take it to the next level, I'd probably say, I feel really uncomfortable and degraded by that comment because it hurts my relationship with you. Again, a little bit more of that impact. Besides it being feelings that are hurt, the larger impact here is that, well, kind of hurts our relationship. If my goal is to enrich in my relationship with this other person, how important, how valuable is it that I share with them that this comment actually went in the opposite direction? It hurt our relationship. As I went through these examples, there's a couple of tips that I'd like to focus on. 
The first is just being direct. Again, as we prepare for a conversation, it's very easy to get caught up in the minutia, get caught up in the smaller pieces, uh, saying grandiose, long-worded, very robust sentences that make us sound like we've rehearsed this. It's not a Shakespearean play, I promise. We just need to be direct. We need to be direct, and we need to be candid. And that's not rude. We, we don't want to go in and just say, hey, what's wrong with you? I'm upset. Maybe that's a little too direct and a little too candid. But if we're very clear, very concise, and then we make sure that we get to the, the asking part, the part where we say, help me understand your side of the story. If that's our goal, is to get there as quick as possible, then we're able to, to have a conversation that really is two-sided. Nobody wants to sit there and listen to you lecture them or, or attack them. And so if we present that, the facts in a very short, candid, direct manner, we share our feelings and how that impacts either our relationship or others, maybe on a larger scale. And then we just say, hey, help me understand. Help me understand you, your side. That's where we can have a real conversation. And that foundation sets the precedence for the rest of the conversation where we can be candid. We can be direct. We can share our thoughts. We've already started the conversation by balancing facts and feelings. So for the rest of the conversation, it's the same thing. Facts and feelings. I heard you say this. Well, I didn't mean that. Okay, I felt this way. Okay, that's how I felt. You know, and it just goes back and forth where we're bouncing back facts and feelings and we're able to be truly authentic. That's where this becomes a very human conversation. In that hard conversation class that I was talking about at the beginning of today's episode, another person raised their hand and said, wouldn't you agree that we need to be experts in emotional intelligence before we have any hard conversations? And that's where I would say to the audience, no, absolutely not. We don't need to be experts in emotional intelligence. We don't need to have a score of 100 out of 100 to be able to have a hard conversation. However, we do need to understand principles of emotional intelligence. And again, emotional intelligence, it's all about understanding and recognizing the emotions within ourselves and within others. So before you start pulling up all of the books on emotional intelligence and listening to all the videos, I'd encourage you to say, make sure you can identify your own emotions. And if you're not sure how to do that, consider a couple of exercises, which we'll share with you in future episodes. Other ideas or other ways where you can recognize those emotions that are within yourself and be able to let your logical thoughts control your emotions. If you can do that, you'll be able to have a great hard conversation. And if that other person is not an expert, that's okay too. Once we start off that conversation, if the other person says, look, I just don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to have this conversation. That's okay. It's so important that we still recognize that as a win. And that leads me to one other thought I'd like to share. One of my great peers brought up in, in that class this idea that we need to know what we can tolerate. And what he meant by that is we need to ask ourselves, is this situation worth starting a hard conversation on? Or can I just let this pass? Is this something that we can just look over and say, you know what? It was a situation where that person was 
emotionally compromised, or it was a situation of misunderstanding, or maybe it's just my fault. Maybe I was in a bad headspace and I took it personally when I shouldn't have. If we can do that, then yeah, that's going to help save a hard conversation that may not enrich in that relationship. Nevertheless, I would challenge you as a listener to not use that as some sort of a scapegoat to avoid a conversation. I hear people say, well, you know what? I can just let that pass. I can just let that pass. And they keep saying it and they keep saying it. And what happens is they just never have a hard conversation. I appreciate when people say, I like to avoid conflict at all costs. Because it's true. Most of us do. We don't want to have conflict in our lives. It's a lot more comfortable not to. But there's a muscle that we exercise when we have a hard conversation. We grow our emotional intelligence and we enrich in relationships with others when we can be honest, when we can be sincere, and when we can share what we're feeling with others. Take the chance, take the risk, take the opportunity to have a hard conversation with other people, especially in a situation where you feel hurt, where you feel worried, where you feel nervous, where something that another person said or did causes you to feel one of those disruptive emotions. And you know that it's more than just a one-time thing or a blip in the day. It's something that causes you to think about it multiple times. Something that causes you to reflect on it. Maybe in the wee hours of the evening as you're getting ready for bed and you think about it again. Or you're going to get some food, you leave work, or you leave the house and it's still festering in your mind. That's probably not a small blip in the day. It's not a small thing. It's causing you some sort of anxiety or, or concern. That's a perfect example of where you should have a hard conversation. I promise you as a listener that even if the other person doesn't want to talk, if you start that hard conversation the right way, you're able to vocalize your emotions. We demonstrate respect for ourselves by showing that we care about our emotions and we care about our own happiness and well-being. And we also show that we care about the other person. We demonstrate respect for others by having a hard conversation and seeking to know their side, seeking to understand them as a person better. Combined, this allows us to enrich in relationships with others at a phenomenal level, whether it's at work or at home. Thank you for tuning into today's episode, and be sure to check out our other episodes where we explore additional ways to enrich your relationships at work and with your family. Before you take off, we invite you to subscribe and share what you liked from this episode with friends, colleagues, and family. Take a moment and share feedback and suggestions with us directly at enrichrelationshipspodcast at gmail.com. Lasting change comes from enriching your relationships both at work and at home.